and welcome to episode one of the New Leaf podcast hosted by myself, Jordan O'Brien. The aim of this podcast is to cover a wide range of topics throughout life, delving into many different hobbies, professions and lives of myself and others. Each week a different guest will join me on the show to chat about how they've tackled the current pandemic head on and how they've overcome the challenges they've faced. I also want to use this podcast as an open space to talk about something else that has affected us in one way or another, mental health. As some of you may know, in May 2020, I lost my mother through suicide. And like many others, I've sadly lost mothers, fathers, siblings and loved ones through similar circumstances. Just like the COVID-19 pandemic we are facing, this issue is also global. Anyone can develop symptoms, however there is no clear vaccine. In many ways, mental health issues are far more complex than any disease known to man. They can develop in many ways. The causes of poor mental health have a variety of ways of affecting a person's mind and the number of treatments available all differ from one another. But is it completely curable? In April 2018, a report in the Belfast Telegraph found that from a survey of over 2,000 people aged between 16 and 25, that 44% have experienced a mental health problem, 68% always or often felt stressed, 60% always or often felt levels of anxiety, and one in three reported that they had felt hopeless at one point or another. There is certainly going to be a psychological effect as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, and there obviously is going to be. A publication from July 2020 entitled The Mental Health Impact of the COVID-19 Pandemic in Northern Ireland compares previous hard-hitting events to what may be the outcome in Northern Ireland. Rates of suicide both increased during the Spanish flu outbreak in the USA in 1918 and the SARS outbreak of 2003 in Hong Kong. Other things like employment are having an effect too, with a number of small businesses struggling due to ongoing restrictions. There could be a possible link in the future with unemployment and mental health issues. During the 2008 economic crisis in Ireland, there was a 57% increase in the male suicide rate and a further 31% in the rate of self-harm in both males and females. With the added stresses and uncertainties of the pandemic, many of us are facing our greatest challenges yet. Students and teachers are learning how to adjust to a huge transformation in the way we educate ourselves. Businesses are slowly transitioning to coping with a growing demand for online availability. Ordinary people such as ourselves are becoming accustomed to adhering to an ever-changing society on places where we can and cannot go, the things that we are able to do and unable to do, and the people we can see and cannot see. For all of us in Northern Ireland, and indeed across the planet, it is a difficult hurdle we are facing, but by tackling it head on and being as open as possible with ourselves and our friends around us, we will all persevere. We will all turn a new leaf. Let's get on with the show now, shall we? You made me. 
with me on the first episode of the New Leaf podcast then is uh, a very close friend of mine. Um, I've grown up with him from when it was no age. No better person to have on. Ryan Scarda. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you going? <laughs> I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, I'm really I'm really excited to be on it, to be honest. Um, I'm happy to be the first guest. It's quite nice. feel honoured. Like I said to you, there was no better person to have on, I suppose. You know, as a first guest, someone that can pick my brains. And I can ask you plenty of questions as well. Um, <laughs> so... Obviously, at the minute, Ryan, you're you're away now. You're studying over in Bournemouth. Um, and with lockdown restrictions and everything, I'd say the past year or two hasn't been what you'd hoped it would be. How are things in Bournemouth at the minute? Man, I think um, I think I've been quite fortunate actually, given the circumstances. I mean, like I basically I started twenty. 20 with basically a holiday in thailand for my placement and obviously that got cut short but that was such a was such a good period of time you know like I, I had a lot of fun out there and then coming back and living in ireland um it's something i hadn't really done in a while if that makes sense like actually sat in ireland and proper was there for a good period of time so I actually really, really enjoyed the period of time that I was back because I got to meet up with a lot of my pals and it was like, it's, you know yourself when you're coming back and seeing your friends from school, there's, there's a lot you can catch up on, obviously. And then when I came to uni, again, the first like month and a half, just a boy's holiday. <laughs> and then obviously towards the tail end of the year, uh, like assignments kicked in and then all this COVID stuff just hit like twice as hard, it seemed. So it has been a bit grim, but man, you got to make the most of what the time you got anyway, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You you touched on it there as well. Um, when you do come home, and it's an experience I really enjoyed as well. Um, while studying in Wales, when you do come home for that first week or so, it's literally just about how many people you can see mm -hmm. in such a short space of time, whether it's friends or family, from all different aspects of your home life, especially. How important was it to still have those home connections uh, while you were not only away at university, but you mentioned, you know, you travel to Thailand a lot. I know you've traveled to Australia and Tasmania as well. We're out there for quite a while. So how important was it for you to have connections as well to still keep you sane, I suppose? Hmm. Um, I guess really it got more important the longer I spent away. Um, like when I started to go away, I'll be completely honest, it wasn't important to me anyway. Uh, I didn't really keep in contact with many people, but at the same time, I see myself as the sort of person who could pick up exactly where I left off, like a parameter of time passing between me seeing someone um, won't sort of change how I interact with them. Uh, so I found it quite seamless, like coming back and seeing everyone again, it was quite exciting. But as I started to spend longer periods of time away or just the overall duration of time in which I was living away got like longer. That's when I started to be like, yeah, it's yeah, it's good to have boys back home. Like it's good to keep those connections. Especially when you've been away for such a long time, it, it makes you realize whether you actually appreciate the things you have at home or that you're one of these people that can easily just 
up sticks and move on and sort of forget about people in a way. Um, mm. And I think from a, from a personal viewpoint of myself as well, there's so many people I met in a short space of time over in Wales that I value more than people even back here. Oh, certainly. And and, and vice versa as well. You know, they mm-hmm. made, there's some people just make such a good impression and you gel with them so well. And then after a couple of years, you have to almost say goodbye to them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not living with them anymore. You're not doing all these things you would have done before. But the key thing, I think, in all of it is if you make the effort, you know, with so many people that you've maybe come into contact with, you almost get to pick and choose at that point in time. But I definitely think as well that it is a stage in life where you get to mature and almost compare the two lives, I suppose. Now, I'm sure for you, you get to go home and when you're with your friends here, it's a completely different world from when you go back over then. And the the groups that you keep in contact then with in Bournemouth are probably on two different levels. But the benefit for you is you're able to enjoy yourself when you're home and not forget who your friends were here, but at the same time also not forgetting who your friends are now in a way. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I, I really value two sets of friends. I like having, or I, sorry, I like the idea of having different groups of friends and not sort of like cramming your entire time into one thing or one person, one group of people. Um, Different viewpoints, certainly that, well, obviously as well, because you know the boys here are English, and the boys back home aren't English. You know? So <laughs> that's just, there's just different like cultural differences that are really subtle, but you would only experience it if you're with both. As you mentioned, there, I think it's a lot healthier in terms of being able to go and do different things with different people. I think it's easier on your mind a bit as well. I think it can become a bit stressful and tiring you know trying to do the same things with the same people over and over so a little bit of variety and difference i think is good for sort of clearing your head of anything as well yeah certainly and i think um i think if you're if you're normalizing that if you're making that behavior like habitual without any sort of break then the terminology that you said you know like you have to do it, you know, you, you sort of think negatively of it because you perceive it as something that's a chore rather than something you're doing out of, you know, free choice. Yeah, it, it should be something that you want to go and do and fun. It shouldn't have to become a drag then all of a sudden. Mm, certainly, yeah. With your friend groups. um, And you're definitely a person that has travelled here and there is there any big plans coming up now post covid if there is a period coming (laughs) of where you would like to travel to i'd love to sit here and tell you that yes i do but i don't know it's like as you know yourself you're approaching that time in life we have to make considerations about would be what would be objectively more beneficial and i suppose that comes down to what you value um so perhaps, yeah, if, if it's something you get massive gratification out of, then that's what you should endeavor to do. But, you know, like I've got potentially a master's coming up. I have to think about, you know, all sorts of like responsibilities now. And like, I want to, yeah, yeah, I really want to go traveling again. I, I had a, like, <laughs> I had a flight booked to go to Sweden with a friend, but it got canceled and that was unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, But maybe now 
maybe now I won't be away for a while uh, unless something comes up and I could imagine I'd go on quite a like whim of the moment sort of thing. This definitely isn't the end of Ryan and his travels. I know there's one more trip left out there, wherever it is. Yeah, um, you mentioned Sweden as well. Obviously, I know that you're on the side learning Swedish as well. Used to. Um, <laughs> used to. <laughs> anyway, um, and again, I suppose things like that, you know, pushing yourself to learn a second language or pick up a hobby, I think has been crucial in terms of keeping people grounded and clearing their minds um, during lockdown. Plenty of people have either learned a new hobby or learning a new language, a new skill, maybe they've bettered their cooking or whatever it is in those terms. Um, I think it is important that we use this time to learn a little bit more about ourselves and what we are capable of. This isn't an ordinary scenario in life that we all imagined 10 years ago. So there's a lot of self-learning going on in terms of how am I going to get through this difficult period, whether it's not being able to see a partner for 10 weeks, not being able to go to the gym, you're furloughed at the minute and you have no way of working and earning money. It's definitely a difficult time, but there is at some point going to be a light at the end of this tunnel. We are going to get through it. And in some way, shape or form, normality will come back eventually. I think a good thing that has come out of it that you just touched on was uh, what I'd sort of say is that people are becoming more aware of how they can act in a way that will be beneficial to themselves. Mm-hmm. I think um, it was unbeknowingly the catalyst sort of for um, people to sit back and because they had the time to for a start, but to sit back and sort of question why it is that they think or feel a certain way. And then resultantly they could equate how to either solve their dilemma or make the same thing happen again, you know? But I think that it shouldn't have taken a global worldwide pandemic for people to be able to articulate why it is they feel a certain way. It's definitely been a learning curve for a lot of people and it definitely has shifted a lot of people's goals in life. Mm. I think I think before a lot of I think a lot of people were hung up on these not very realistic achievements in life and in something like this something as unfortunate as covid has come along and has almost halted all of those dreams that people had so it's okay well what can i do now and in these quiet moments they've looked at themselves and went oh well i can improve my diet in this way i can do this to benefit myself rather than picking something that might be unrealistic for them to achieve They've now had the time for self-reflection. And I think that's very important as well for keeping everyone sort of a bit more sane. I think actually on that, um, <laughs> well, a lot of a lot of people talk about how just like self-governance is sort of like the first step in being able to accelerate towards a goal, for example. And um, if you're like, it sounds really, really sort of like jovial, but if you're 
in your house all the time and you have no reason to leave, then, well, you could very easily fall into the trap of your house just becoming a bit of a bit of a shithole. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, if you can manage that, if you can, uh, if you can actively tell yourself, like, right, well, I have to go through the process of making sure that that does not happen, well, that's self-governance in a way. And if you can get into a routine of being fully confident in that way, then it's actually going to do you really good coming out of lockdown and stuff, you know, because you're being routines, habits. Yeah, it's so easy to fall into a rut, especially when you have so much time off from work. I, I've seen it from many people where they just lie about the house until about half 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon, get up, eat, go to bed and repeat that. Sounds and it's good. been like that for almost a year now. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> it does sound ideal, um, especially for myself. It would be nice to have that time off rather than working the whole yeah, way through heavy, the pandemic the and then Christmas on top of it. I worked the whole way through Christmas as well. That's why another reason I stayed in Bournemouth and yeah, the amount of people that told me I ruined their Christmas. I was like, yeah, crack on. Fair enough. The way you've told me that, I'm sure you probably <laughs> told another five people that today. It's a different world of abuse when you are on one side of a till. And I think that this is my proposal now. Boris Johnson, if you're listening at all, I can't imagine you've got much on. Everyone in this country should have at least four years retail work experience. I don't know about that. I don't know how some people would go. It's definitely needed to try and battle harden some of the people that are out there and think that they can get away with abusing a little yeah. tiny 18 year old in a card factory because they didn't give him a bag or the weight was 79p. Bullshit. But they, they could turn that around the other way and be like, well, every time that I've gone into a retail experience, someone's been a dick to me. I'm going to be a dick to them when I go into it. It could be like just a, a culture of being a dick when you work in retail. I always find that the people who are the nicest when they go into the supermarkets or into shops are the people that currently work in retail. And I cannot understand why. There's a lot of Karens, there's a lot of Sharons, have all got their Gucci glasses on and they're hunting all us young kids down. <laughs> there's a lot of them, there's a lot of Karens, mate. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if I will be like spreading false information here, but someone informed me the other day that it's a Karen when they're unjustified in their just absolute barrage of insults towards you. But a Sharon is someone that is justified in being persistent to find the goal. So like if um if a Sharon they'd be a Sharon if they were genuinely owed a refund for something. But they'd be a Karen if they were just trying to sponge and just trying to make a scene, you know? Just Stay away from my shops. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Heard there, I read an article as well saying that within the next 50 years, the name Karen is going to die out because of all this. Another another perfectly lovely name that has been put to the sword. Another one, the day I was born, Jordan was one of the most popular names in the UK, and now it's not even in the top 300. Really? No, no one calls their child Jordan anymore. Really? That shocks me. Yeah. That really surprises me. I grew up with a friend group of, of 12 people and five of us were all called Jordan. I know and so now, many Jordans. <laughs> there were so many in our primary school classes <laughs> when we went to friends together. I met so many when I went to university at my age. Since then, nothing. Jordan, really? <laughs> the name doesn't exist anymore. Surely 
people would have named their kids Jordan after watching Wolf of Wall Street? Surely. No, apparently not. There's probably more kids called Daenerys than there is Jordan. Yeah. Or lo- lots of little Tyrians running around North Belfast somewhere. <laughs> yeah, something's running around North Belfast. <laughs> They're mad chasing them around with a slipper. <laughs> and Tyrion, get in here. It's your dinner now. You sure tomorrow. I don't even know how we try and pick up the conversation after such a tangent like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That just took a turn. That just took a turn. Um, so we've known each other for quite a substantial amount of time, I think would be fair to say. 20 years, is it? 20 years, yeah. yeah. Including seven years of primary school, seven years of secondary school, and then almost three years of Bournemouth. What could have been? What could have been, could have been. But I'd say we've changed a lot from 20 years. And I think the most notable thing for people listening in would be that they might not recognize the name, but if I said Hall, they would know immediately who you are. Um, Give me a little bit of background about the, the name change. I kind of know the story, but I would love to get your entire take on it yeah so i i changed it from ryan hall to ryan scarter hall um but yeah most of the time i just go as ryan scarter but that's been because i've like lived away and that's what other people call me like the rugby boys just call me scarter like it was always called hmm. scarter when i was working and stuff um yeah um it came from it came from my dad's side of the family um my dad's mum, so my grandmother. So, yeah, so my my great-grandfather on my dad's side, he was um, from an area you'll be familiar of, the Sudetenland. For the, those that don't know, it was sort of like a well-off part of what was Czechoslovakia at the time. Um, and it was invaded by the Germans and... My great-grandfather was then conscripted to fight in the German army. So because a lot of them were like German-speaking and obviously Germany just was like, right, that's ours now. So he managed to escape the Germans and ended up fighting for the Allies. And I I think it was in France. Uh, And anyway, when he was in France, he got shot twice. They hit him both in the face. Like one was like the eye, one was like the ear. And he got evacuated to England and then when he was being treated on the wards he was treated by a nurse that well came to be my great-grandmother so then they obviously had oh well they had my grandmother and she was the oldest and then they had another son and I'm not so sure about the son like I've never met him he lives in England in Manchester somewhere um He's never married. I'm I'm not sure if he's had a partner ever either, but yeah, he's like, no, I don't want to say a bit of a loner, but that's what it is, you know. And well, he obviously had the surname Scarda, and then my grandmother, when she married my grandfather, changed her name from Marina Scarda to Marina Hall, and then that was passed down, yada yada, got to me, and then. Well, my, my great-grandfather, Leo, he died in 2000 and, 
I want to say 2008. I think it was 2008. And my great-grandmother moved over from Manchester. She lived go kick away from Old Trafford. Uh, she moved over to Northern Ireland. And when she got to Northern Ireland, um, she sort of took my cousin Sophie and I. And Sophie and I are, like, we're born in the same year. Like, we're cousins, really close. We always have been. Um, so, yeah, she took Sophie and I aside when she first moved over and sort of said to us that she never really had the opportunity to have grandkids because uh, my grandmother and grandfather moved from Manchester to Northern Ireland and she lived still in Manchester like while they grew up and she said that she didn't really get the chance so she wanted to make sure that she could with us and she like put loads of money into like a savings account for us um, and that was what I eventually ended up using to go to Australia so obviously that meant a lot to me um, and she was just always really good she was good to all the grandchildren but always to Sophie and I because we were the oldest too by like a considerable amount um and then when i was what like upper sixth my granny she my great granny that is she sort of she fell unwell um and she's like a creature of habit so when my grandparents went round to her house one day and she wasn't there they were like right what they checked the phone she had like an appointment with musgrave to just sort of like sort everything out that was happening uh, I don't overly know all the details but you can presume it wasn't great like she's no woman um, and yeah she was kind of frail for a while and yeah, it was my dad said to me like go and see your great granny and I would have always gone to see her to be fair I always would have but I sat and thought about it and I was like okay so apart from her son the name Scarda doesn't have like an heir no one's going to take it and I was just thinking it was like quite reflective at the time like obviously she'd just been going through a lot and not said anything just a hard nut classic war kid and I was like man yeah I want to I want to take that on I remember actually I was talking to a girl at the time there was this girl I was like getting the train down to Dublin to see and I was talking to her about it and she gave me the go ahead message me today actually and uh, <laughs> yeah I, I just did it I, I went to my granny I told her about it and she was like oh your granddad he'd, he'd be rolling in his grave if he knew that like his name got carried on because he thought that was it he thought it was sort of going to die with him sort of thing and then I went to my granddad then which my granddad Robert Hall and it was like I said to him like mate what do you think and he was like I think it's really good of you it's really nice my granny and my granda both said yeah we we think that's good so I just did it I remember thinking what am I going to do and I, I literally just changed it on Facebook and I was like well if that becomes something that people see then they'll have an association with it but I have told people um perhaps I haven't gone into as much detail but it's sort of more so it used to but not so much now but it used to bug me whenever even though people knew, they'd still call me Ryan Hall. There were certain people in school that obviously didn't know the whole background to it. And even then after when we left and you were able to go and travel because of all the things and the sort of the help and yeah. the little bit of sacrifice that she made for you. I can understand completely why then you would get annoyed, if, especially if people knew and they were doing it intentionally too, without quite knowing 
the meaning behind the name Scarda for you especially? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like everything you just said sort of sums it up. But um, then I just sort of came to the conclusion that, well, I'm wasting my time getting annoyed. <laughs> it's like if they want to do that, that's fine. I don't, I can't force anyone into being courteous to me, and to be to be courteous or to be discourteous, it doesn't take effort. But I mean, you can't you can't coerce anyone into doing anything. I, I think about it now, and it's like, well, why did why did you sit and get annoyed? <laughs> Let them do it. I mean, it really it does not bother. It really won't. Sorry, it really won't um, matter to you if you see. One of the lads from back home once a year. <laughs> I know. There, I think there's so them. many occasions for myself as well where you look back and think, why did I get so riled up about something so small? But at the time, it's you're just you're just there, oh, and it happens, right. and there's this little switch clicks in your head, and then all of a sudden you go absolutely batshit at <laughs> something so small. Well, I think as you grow up, you get much, much better at emotional regulation, or at least I think everyone should try to, because oh, wait, you can be so much more logical in your thought process if you don't dictate your actions via emotion, mate. Like, you can, the amount of people just lose their heads and lose all sort of sentience of logic, and you're like, if you could calm down, you could see the wood for the trees, but you currently can't. Yeah, there's a lot of people that even we still know now could probably learn a thing or two from detaching themselves from emotional <laughs> emotional aggression, I suppose would be the word. Or just the, the default, well, how to say, I feel it's like the default reaction of the brain to dealing with a certain stimulus, and it has been the default of the action of the brain for a long time, so that just becomes like the automatic response. So if if aggression, for example, is onset by a particular feeling that is induced by some stimulus, then, well, that's their disposition, isn't it? That's that's their excuse to throw all the toys out of the pram and get aggro because you may or may not have said something intentional or unintentional. Yeah, well, I think it's a symbol of maturity, too, to be able to differentiate between that, isn't it? Absolutely. It, yeah, it's a sign of growing up in life that you don't get riled up and you don't get, as everyone says, triggered at so many easy things. I think that's one of the things that we still have in common, as well as a lot of our close friends from school. We're able to recognize when someone is saying something. They may say something out of turn to us, but we know that they don't mean it in a vindictive way there's yeah. no malice behind their words and we're able to recognize that whereas an outsider looking in on so many different friend groups would look at it and go hold on that they can't say that to him surely mm. that's out of yeah, order yeah. but for us but for us we know exactly what the the thought process is behind their words well i like to convince myself that's because we have a high level of social cognition <laughs> which yeah <laughs> but no, I was actually doing for some some work I was doing um, for uni work. I was actually looking into something really similar. Um, and it sort of says that like the adolescent brain um, is like very ripe for yeah. development of the regions that would manage like social cognition and self awareness and whatnot. 
So I think then the fact that we all sort of grew up together, we all sort of developed at the same time because obviously all of our interactions, that micro level interaction shaped how we perceive things on a bigger scale. And if we're all on the same sort of wavelength, which the majority, bar a few exceptions. <laughs> which will remain nameless on this podcast for the foreseeable future. There's <laughs> a clear winner. But yes. Um, <laughs> if, and there's some people out there listening will know exactly who we're all about. Um, <laughs> Make sure to tag this person and send them this link. <laughs> be interested to see what names come up. But yeah, like I said, we all just sort of, um, yeah, the fact that we grew up together meant that we were all on that same wavelength. And I think have a laugh at your own expense, not take yourself overly seriously, which I think sort of the culture we grew up in promoted my experience growing up and going to school with my pals. And as a result, I can't really get into a mindset of someone who didn't enjoy it. I can't work out why because I have absolutely nothing that I could relate to in that regard. But I think that would be quite disappointing, I guess is the word I'd say. She got to go to school and we got to, in, so, in some way, shape or form, the work was done, albeit the quality may or may not mm. have been there. Shit housed it. Yeah, absolutely. But those, those days in Friends, especially with the guys that we all sat with, and then when we split off into our own separate little groups, whether it's the PE group or, you know, a language class or whatever, mm. you make memories there that you still talk about. And you might not see someone for 15, 20 years down the line, but you can, if you're, you can then just walk up to them and start a conversation. And it takes you back all that time to when Joe Bloggs fell over the chair and split his mm. trousers open in front of the teacher or whatever. Oh, I think that's... Um... That's something you'll always hold. Like, <laughs> I guess it's a, way, a kind of a reason why I sort of disassociated with him because I think you're sort of known for the bad things you do. Like, if you, if someone says the name of a person you haven't heard in a while, instantly, like, you are reminded straight away about the bad things you know them. If they're known for something, like, that will be your first thought. It is such a Northern Irish thing yeah. to do. You mention one name in front of your mum or your dad, and they go, "You're hanging out with Gary." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, you should hang out with someone that's a bit more like Stephen. Stephen's yeah. a lovely boy. Don't hang out with Gary. Yeah, exactly. And that is something that I, I, I feel like I'm probably known in certain circles more negatively than I would like it to be. And that's what yeah. it's always going to be remembered as. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I like that's how it works. But I yeah. do enjoy how at uni, at least, well, it's only been four years. But it's not got to that stage yet, you know. Yeah. I want that negative association again. <laughs> to be the, the irresponsible one in a year group of just over 100 people, isn't that impressive? To be the irresponsible one of a university with thousands of pupils and students, that takes something grand mm. to be on that kind of notoriety level yeah. from a university. You'd have statues made of you, mate. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then they'll be torn down in a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, probably. Being a former politics student of Friends as well, 
especially studying US politics. I can't wrap up the podcast without asking how you feel the past seven days, the first week of 2021 has been in America. I mean, where do you even begin to try and unravel it all? So one of my mates at uni, Ed, he's always on Twitter, loves it. And we were sat around watching the football. And he goes, oh, there's lots of people in Washington at the minute. And then like five minutes later, he's like, mate, they're at the parliament building. And then he was just like feeding us his news feed on Twitter. He's like, mate, they're, they're scaling the walls. Mate, they're in parliament. Someone's been shot. <laughs> like, someone's at the speaker's desk. Like the updates just kept coming through. And I was sending it to the boys in the JW group chat because they're all pretty, you know, up to date with their current affairs. Yeah. And they were just as taken aback as I was. It was like, what is going on? But, mate, you see, some of the stuff has come out afterwards, like the whole thing with Mike Pence and how they've essentially said to him now, like, Trump has essentially burnt all of his bridges within, like, senior... Republican Party members. It's just... How does a man do that? Not how does a man do it. It's how did nobody see it coming? Like, <laughs> no, it's obviously going to happen. Like, Oh, man. It was just so predictable. We've just come to the season finale of the world's worst reality TV show and everyone knew what was going to happen, yet we still act surprised when it happens. But I think absolutely, like, yeah, if you want to protest something, you crack on. But I think shame on those folk who stormed in because, like, you have to imagine that this procedure that is American politics has been operating on largely the same basis since the 1700s in a way that was designed specifically to avoid tyrannical British rule. So it has been established from the get go that government isn't entirely in control and it should be held accountable sure like a hundred percent but the procedures the how everything has been conducted has been conducted in a similar in the same way largely ever since so to completely just chuck your toys out of the pram with very little sort of basis for that statement or that way of thinking is just such a facade on democracy like you're literally just not listening to the answer because you don't like it. Like That's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. No, I don't accept this. I'm going to try again. I don't think he's living in the real world at the minute. Mate, if I've ever seen a technocrat in my entire life, it is Donald Trump. Just established into a position via an influence of wealth. I think historically, irrespective he will go down as a success in that the policies that he said he would fulfill when he ran for office, he largely implemented. Like his whole campaign was the wall. We They got the wall. You know, if, if Hillary had got in, we'd have definitely gone to World War Three. If Trump got in, we would have only maybe gone to World War Three, and we didn't. We like we didn't actually go to World War Three. It was a lot 
that he, under a certain microscope, could be perceived to have succeeded in. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure if you'd um, look back at the time as favourably as maybe the word success would suggest. <laughs> it it doesn't scream out success. No. But if you di- if you dig into it a little bit and sort of do what he does and pick and choose what bits you want to keep in and what you want to take out, then absolutely, yeah, you can call it a success. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a chapter in history that won't be forgotten anytime soon. Certainly. We we are living in an exam question. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Due to coronavirus or Brexit or BLM and the riots that are happening now, yeah. Trump presidency, we are going to be a see a paper for a politics student in how many years' time? We don't know. Well, they've got plenty of resources to use as their material. Everything's caught in the camera phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Studying politics, I imagine, back in the day. Would have actually been quite cathartic because you would have just got newspapers. We're kind of hypocritical for saying it, but everyone is a political expert now. Everyone has an opinion in the world, whereas yeah. before, maybe not so much. Mm. I think it's a good thing. I definitely think it's a good thing that people know how to articulate their views, and by factoring in moral perspectives and logic, you will find your place on the left right spectrum. I think it's kind of like a horseshoe, to be honest. It's like you can get so far left that you're almost right wing and you can get so far right that you're almost left wing. It is it is so strange what is happening over there now. But as as my dad pointed out last night when we sat into the early hours of the morning waiting for things to unfold, it was A, like watching a reality TV show. Mm-hmm. B, it was like what people would have witnessed during the 70s and 80s watching the news about Northern Ireland. It would have been, I just don't get it. How how did they get in? <laughs> how did they storm Parliament? <laughs> how was not more than four people killed? <laughs> just doesn't add up. I can't even begin to understand how that many people were, to, were able to get that close. I think in particular with Northern Ireland, we have a very good way of dealing with bad things through humour. So we always make light of bad experiences we have had. And I think it's it's one of the reasons why I find that it's very easy for people to hide behind humor. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of people mm. out there who could be one of the funniest people you know, but you don't actually know what they're battling because we are so good at hiding emotion through humor in this country especially. I completely agree but view it in an ever so slightly different way and like yeah ultimately you're hiding it but i think it's the performance of the humor which is like the show if that makes sense it's not that you're going out of your way to hide it it's that you're going out of your way to make a spectacle so that it's not noticeable if you imagine the social scene is the stage and like you said you show you put on the show of it um so I, yeah it's it's the difference between like hiding something by putting it away or hiding something by hiding it in plain sight by performing over the top of it 
Yeah, and almost laughing at those things which to you are a little bit more serious, but you don't show that to the people that you're with. Yeah. 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 Exactly that, mate. Because this is meant to be a, a well being podcast and a message of hope and clarity to people out there that you can actively talk about these things to anyone. Mm. I know it's difficult for some people. You can I know it's difficult for some people, but it is possible. Mm. It's not impossible. You are able to talk to a friend, a family member, a doctor, a co-worker, mm -hmm. absolutely anyone. And I think if you take away anything from this first podcast, if there is anything useful at all, is that this is a platform where we have sat and spoken openly for a duration of time. We've known each other for a while. It's so easily done. You can chat to a stranger or a friend but the fact that you're able to go out open yourself up a little bit more to the people around you and then they begin to understand what it is that you may be feeling lifts a huge weight off your shoulders i know that from a personal standpoint things that i have experienced in the past year and being open straight away have helped me come to terms with what i am dealing with and I think it is so crucial for anyone out there that is listening or that you know anyone who might be a little bit off and you notice changes in their behavior. There is a way that you can battle it and you don't have to do it alone. I think something I'd like to add is that, well, I think that the idea of perception and mentality, they have a really, really close link in that you could perceive something in a certain way and then develop a mentality surrounding that topic but then conversely you could go into the act of perceiving something with a preset mentality and then all of a sudden the mentality that you carry after the perception of it would probably it was already set you know and i think that kind of can sum up how you how you react to things if you're not feeling so good you can perceive something on the day as you know armageddon worst thing that can happen just a massive rush of emotions or you can just you know brush it to the side but that is all dependent on how you've perceived the event and the mentality that you sort of take going forward straight away i mean if i think like the other day this is something so like petty so obviously it's not largely comparable but i i ripped like one of my favorite jumpers the whole way up the back so stupid of me as well <laughs> but I did that, and at the time, I literally just, the boys were in the room at the time, so I was like, oh, that's really unfortunate. Uh, I can take that, I can get it sewed, it's the black jumper, it's on the back, it doesn't really matter. Then one of my friends was like, if that was me, I would have been raging. And I was going to say, oh, mate, grow up, but then I was like, eh, at another time, I would have been raging as well. But how I have perceived that at that point in time has dictated how I felt about it. And I feel like if you're not feeling yourself or you're feeling a little down, it's how you perceive things, which is sort of shifted because you can very easily take things negatively and add them up and catastrophize. And all of a sudden you're in the worst mood ever. You're in a state. Yeah. I, again, I couldn't put it better than what you just put in there as well. Listen, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the first episode of this podcast i really appreciate it and i really appreciate your time no thank you very much for having me uh well this was the baseline wasn't it the test run 
so it can only get better from here. Yeah, or 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 worse, depending <laughs> on the way you look at it. Hopefully things will get better. I'll get speaking to you at some point, and we can have a bit more of an in-depth chat about things that we've brought up. Good luck with everything as well, Cheers, um, that you are doing and your studies too. Um, all the best for the future, and I'll see you shortly anyway. All right. Thanks very much, mate. You take care. Thank you again for listening in to episode one of the New Leaf podcast. If you haven't already, head over to the Instagram page at New Leaf Podcasts. It's the best way to keep updated with new episodes, guests, and special giveaways as well. Enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are listening into this. And remember, take pride in everything you do. Don't let the world get you down because you're all superstars. See you later, folks. Stay safe. <laughs>